This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. And welcome to episode 89 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking beautiful in baby blue, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. On this hot, hot, hot day in Cambridgeshire, where I think she is more likely to break records than I am, we have Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson. That's temperature records, by the way. Yes, I'm not sure what I'm personally going to do, but the the predicted (laughs) temperatures do keep going up and up. I have doors open, fans on. You look as cool as a cucumber, so that's (laughs) absolutely wonderful. And by the way, it was episode 73 that you wanted to know about. Episode 73, the last time we caught up with this week's guest, the wonderful Philip Lawrence Ostenbrink, whose accent we adore and who has so many hats that he wears, author of your wonderful book, The Jungle Garden, which everybody should read. Also, of course, head gardener at Walmer Castle. You've got four national collections. And also you have a national garden scheme opening around the corner for those who are watching when this uh, first comes out into the world. I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we'll have to talk about that. But how has the growing season been treating you, Philip? Um, up until about last week, it was really good. But I think... Um, uh, cracks are starting to appear. I said to a friend of mine yesterday, I said, oh, we've got about a centimetre cracks in our croquet lawn and they thought that was quite middle class. <laughs> <laughs> That's your croquet yes, lawn, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> My croquet lawn has, has actually gone from green to brown in, in just yeah. a few days, really. Um, I'm not bothered by it because grass always seems to manage to come back. There's one lawn that I do water. Now, <laughs> this is a silly, silly habit thing. Um, years ago, Gardeners World decided they'd like to come and film something in the garden in midsummer. And it was high summer and the grass was brown and they had, we had seven days before they arrived. So we watered it twice a day, this piece of lawn, and it came back and it was green. And then when Gardeners World arrived, they decided they wouldn't use that piece of lawn. They'd use the, the, <laughs> the brown piece of lawn anyway. Um, but I haven't given up on that lawn because I've got I've devised the exact length of spray on my sprinkler that will do the lawn and the borders on either side. So it's easy, you know, three moves and job done. (laughs) I feel like you come up with systems, particularly when you face a a big bout of hot weather or as we find with the climate changing, increasing periods of of drought. So I'm sure Philip as a head gardener, you've sort of started developing, whether it's the exact spray on your sprinkler or seat poses or whatever it is, automatic watering to help you along. Yes, well, a lot of the work is actually done in winter because uh, we are so dry here. Um, and in winter, we just mulch and mulch and mulch. We had um, 45 ton bags of um, farmyard manure last winter that went over uh, well, most of the uh, like more ornamental borders uh, all throughout and even in the moat as well. Um, and it does really work, um, especially down our Broadwalk, uh, which is about 80 metres long. So I think both of them got about six bags probably on each. Um, right. And yeah, it does. It does really work. You can really tell the difference if you've mulched or not mulched. And it I think you're really... absolutely right, Philip. But, but convincing ordinary gardeners that this is what you need to do is much harder, I think, because yes. as you doing it professionally, me doing it professionally, we know the benefits of the work that you carry out throughout the winter will be with you for the whole of the coming season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most people, they don't want to probably go outside in the winter and do that. No, they also think that in winter we, we don't do much work. And you think that's how we do all the really heavy work. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. we're very, very busy to get all of yeah. that on before um, like the first snowdrops and everything start appearing. So, yeah, exactly. yeah it's not here always. But, um, yeah, we do um, have some water sprinklers as well. It's uh, try to minimise it as much as possible. But, of course, we're also looking after a collection here in uh, Historic Garden. So, yeah, some bits we do have to uh, water and uh, try and keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And try and keep the plants alive. I think that's the main thing. Well, yeah, try and keep them looking at least vaguely happy. I always have to prioritise certain things. The other half's acer that we were talking about last week, I'm always, especially because it's not technically mine, terrified that it will go all brown and crispy on the edges and then look at me reproachfully for the rest of the year until it loses <laughs> its leaves. So <laughs> that's number one priority. How are your national collections, Philip? How are they faring? 
Um, yeah, they're doing quite well. I've, um, uh, I, I'm renting this, um, well, it's a polytunnel frame just outside the village, and about a third of the 40 meter length is uh, polytunnel, and the rest is now shade tunnel. And I've done loads and loads of work in there. I have put lots of um, wood chip in there, for instance, uh, also to keep the weeds down because it was quite bad. Um, and um, I can finally now plant them out in a sort of garden setting. Um, and that's the plan to have all my uh, national collections within that shade tunnel. Uh, and uh, yeah, being to display them there. And yeah, of course, if they're planted in the ground, it's a bit easier than having to keep them alive in a pot. And uh, I'm, I'm also possibly expanding my national collections. <laughs> what are you going to do next? <laughs> um, well, I've, uh, one of my plants today is a uh, Balmeria. And um, a friend of mine, he's got a nursery in, uh, in Bedfordshire, Newbury Farm Plants, and he uh, uh, he will sort of have part of the collection, collection as well. So um, I'll have one plant. He'll have the backups and do all the propagation as well. Because uh, I can't really do another national collection uh, by myself. And I haven't got the space for it either. Um, and But Bomeria are just beautiful plants. But I will explain more about them in a bit. <laughs> for people who haven't seen the previous episode that you featured on, and of course we'll, we'll link to it, um, just remind us, recap your current national collections. Um, so my first national collection was um, Hakunokloa macra, which is the Japanese forest grass, um, which is just the most beautiful grass in the world. It's, uh, you can't beat it, I think. I was in this garden uh, over the weekend and they had just blocks of them uh, and the wind, just as soon as there's any breath of air, it just flows through that. And um, I've got um, Ophipo japonicus, so um, uh, yeah, the Mondo grass. Um, the black Mondo grass is one of them, for instance, uh, that is now also a japonicus. Uh, unfortunately, I now also have to add those to my collection. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I've got variegated convalaria, variegated and yellow leafed forms. Um, and um, well, so far, my favorite, I think, is still uh, the Aspidistra elatia and Aspidistra zitunensis um, because of all the history of it. And uh, they're just amazing plants. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking after all of them equally, of course, but uh, <laughs> I'll pick a favourite, but I do tend to look more at my Aspidistus than the others. <laughs> Just lovingly stroke their leaves. <laughs> Buffing them up every day. <laughs> I mean, the Aspidistus are wonderful. I must say, when I was putting together the last podcast and I just get completely sucked into these wonderful Instagram pages of our guests and was looking through, some of your convalaria are just so beautiful. I was really, really drawn in by them. And I only have a couple of boring ones, but but your variegated collection is, is something else. Oh, yes, I do love them as well. They, they, um, they're quite easy to grow, of course, and they still have the scented flowers because often people ask that, but uh, variegation doesn't mean no flowers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of them are so beautiful and stripy. Um, and there are quite a lot of stripy ones, actually. And sometimes I do wonder if they're all like stable cultivars or if it's just a sport or something. But uh, of course, you have to have them all as a collection holder. Uh, yeah. It's a great shame. <laughs> I, always think, I always think Lily of the Valley um, are fascinating plants because I think it's probably due to uh, very dry soil. But you must be very dry too, Philip. Um, yes. yes. Yeah, but, we're sort of in the same band as you, I would think. Exactly, I think so. Yeah. But... I mean, I've often thought the Convalaria, I mean, I buy, you know, a nice variegated one when I see it and I put it on the north side of a wall somewhere and it doesn't do anything for about three years and suddenly it goes, woo, <laughs> I've arrived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, so it's quite fascinating, really. Oh, it is. And I've got a beautiful one, which I got from Poland, which is nearly completely white. Uh, with just the odd bit of green in there. You can imagine how slow that is. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. It's been for three hard. years now, and finally this year, I've got two extra leaves. It's just been one single leaf every year, but uh, uh, it's finally picking up. And uh, that's, That is a labour of love, I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also uh, stubbornness. I think you will not buy yeah, it. maybe. <laughs> for the man for the job, that's for sure. Uh, what, what was the name of that one? Um, Eva Witkowska, that one is called. Yeah, I got it from a collector in Poland um, when they were still allowed to send things, of course. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was so special. And that's the other reason I'm really careful with that one, because it is probably very unlikely I'll ever be able to get that back into the country. Um, so I certainly can't kill that one. And, uh, <laughs> nah, there's some really nice ones. The, the best stripey one, I think, is... Um, uh, Victor Pavlovsky's gold, which you quite often actually see at specialist nurseries. Um, and it's got this beautiful, bright yellow um, line all across the uh, the leaf as well. And uh, there's hardly any green in it. So it's a very, very good one there. 
And Alan, you said that after a few years they can romp away. Um, are the variegated ones, Philip, any less vigorous than your straight up lily of the valley or are they likely to colonise happily? Yeah, I haven't noticed any difference in them. Uh, I know some people go like, oh, yeah, they're variegated, they're sickly, they're weak and all sorts of things. Uh, but no, I've got some uh, variegated ones that are actually bigger than a normal green one and uh, more vigorous as well. Um, so, yeah, they, I don't think you can stop them. I think they'll just keep going <laughs> like the normal green one. <laughs> I love that this podcast has become a haven for lovers of variegated plants. You know, people yeah. like you and Matt Pottage. Actually, I was looking through your Instagram and didn't you share a plant with Matt Pottage of Wisley? It's actually one of my plants today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we have to embark on show and tell because I love the fact that two of the people I know who love variegated plants the most actually shared a plant. Yes, yeah, yeah, we adopted one together. <laughs> <laughs> shall, I, shall I show you? I'll yeah, please do. Yeah, it's a variegated ficus carica. See, so it is like a normal ficus carica, but it's got this marbling effect all over the leaves. Uh, and it's called Jolly Tiger. And uh, yes, it was one. Um, I saw it on eBay. Uh, this is French nursery, and I've bought quite a lot of plants from them. I've also got like a, a variegated spamania from them at some point, and variegated papyrus. So they do a lot of variegations. Uh, um, yeah, so when you could still uh, get them from there, um, I saw them on there, and it was a bit like before. Um, Brexit and before like, everything was close to get plants from abroad, I did order a lot of plants. It was a very expensive year for me, actually, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, this was one, and I, I visited uh, Matthew Pottage at Wisley and uh, just had a catch up with him. Uh, and I said, Oh, Matthew, I said, I found this plant now, and I said, It is so beautiful, but it is also so expensive. And I said, it's a variegated fig. And he said, it's not Jolly Tiger, is it? He said, yeah. He said, I've been looking for that for ages, and you can only get it in America normally. Um, he said, I'll go halves with you. <laughs> so we did, yeah, um, ordered it. And uh, Wisley had the uh, the plant that we ordered. Uh, and then um, they took a, a cutting of that. And I've not got that cutting, which you can see. I mean, again, this is only from last year. It's probably about, well, 35 centimetres tall. Um, variegated plants, still very vigorous, as vigorous as a normal fig. Uh, apparently the figs are also variegated. So I uh, can't wait for that. Um, oh, wow. uh, yes, it works. So, we got it. so they did the cutting and I got the cutting. I think I only picked it up a couple of months ago, actually. But uh, yeah, it was my most expensive plant ever. Can <laughs> we, we, we ask how expensive it was? Uh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it's uh, when we're amongst friends. <laughs> we're all uh, desperate it, to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, uh, it was £550. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, it was a bargain, really, because. I got it off eBay, and then the next one he put up was the same size, was double the price. So, uh, oh well, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm desperate to ask how much Alan's most expensive plant was. <laughs> I don't know. I tell you what, I bought the other day, which I something I, Bunny Guinness was writing in in the Telegraph about this citrus plant called a yuzu. Everybody is very, uh, shall we say. Um, careful about what they say the uses are. Now, the only thing I can sort of find out that it's used for is, is the the um, the peel is used for something. To, whether right. you use it, it's very, very bitter, apparently. Um, I'm sure we'll find out more about it as we go along. But Bunny Guinness had these two yuzu plants in her in her uh, garden, and she, she grows them outside all the year round in what look like tubs, but they're, they're bottomless tubs and the, the roots go down into the ground. And I thought, well, that's rather nice. If, if you know, you buy them, and then at at the point of sale, they're probably not hardy. But if you keep them for three or four years, then you put them into the garden, and they've got a thick enough trunk, they'll be hardy. Obviously, a sheltered, sunny spot. Um, and I so I did buy a couple of those the other day, and they were the princely sum of one hundred and fifteen pounds each. And that's oh, um, bargain. That, <laughs> <laughs> you should say cheapskate, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> my my worst one actually before that was um musa aa which is a, a variegated uh, musa yeah and um i got that from a nursery and they sent it on like the coldest day in february that was 150 pounds um, and when i got it it was already wilting uh, within two weeks it was dead which was apparently my fault so i didn't even get the money back <laughs> oh. 
that's not fair. Yeah, so, uh, but I, then Mike Clifford gave me one uh, last year. I think it was, it is a pain to grow though. I did think if this one dies, then I'm going to give up on that one. <laughs> so yeah. I had it in my hot box. It grew beautifully, took it out and it just went. And now it's shot up another pup. And uh, that's about 30 centimeters again. And I don't know what to do with it. I dare not move it. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, talking of, um, you said your hot box. I know that, you know, you, you have, various different uh sort of tools at your disposal and i saw you share a little kind of propagation tool you were using oh, yes. the other day yeah the hydropod yeah um yeah i thought i'd have a go at that because um i only got a small one i think it's got like 20 cuttings of course i'm already regretting not going for the larger one <laughs> it's full it was full within a day um but i've had some things in there which did really well but then uh, one of them was a uh, pilea ambrosa which is a hardy pilea and um my trainee had it for his plant ident and even standing on a bottle for a week it rooted so i don't think the hydropod did much with that um but uh, i had some um well the other plant actually that's up here which i was going to talk about is um uh, smilanthus maculatus and i put some cuttings of those in as well and those roots are about uh, 10 15 centimeters long already so uh, for those things I, I think it really works quite well yeah it's sort of um so it's like a normal propagator but it's got this little fountain and a little aquarium pump underneath and uh, it just constantly waters the roots or the the, the ends of the cuttings really um, and uh, yeah just keeps that moisture up and uh, that's how they root so uh, yeah and now the other thing is of course how will they cope with now going into soil what do you mm. do then so uh, that always the that thing. always slightly worries me with any any plant that you've rooted in water yeah i mean it's, it's that it's the getting them from the water and in, into the soil and getting them making use of that soil that's always the difficult bit yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, that's also how I killed a lot of other cuttings that uh, I just either rooted them in water or um, I did try um, moss and perlite as well. But uh, yeah. I was trying to do bomeria cuttings, which are apparently really easy. And I have killed several, <laughs> like so many. And it was often that stage of being in there. Could you just spell that name for us, Bo? It's a B-O-E-H-M-E-R-I-A. Shall I show you? Yes. Is this the one that looks a bit nettly? Oh, it looks very nettly. My neighbour, who knows nothing about plants, um, she's got white gravel in her front garden now because she couldn't cope with the lawn. That was too many plants already. But uh, I, I had some when I, I popped in after work. I was carrying these plants. She said, what kind of nettle have you got there then? I said, oh, that's well done. <laughs> but it is this beautiful leaf. I'll see if I can... But it almost looks... Some of them are much bigger than this. This is Bomeria nivea. And uh, but I've got another one uh, which Mike Clifford gave me, Bomeria platyphylla, and that's I think one of the, the ones that I thought, oh, I really want more of them. Um, and that is like a massive stingray. It's like this big round leaf, and it's got this almost like a little tail at the end as well. And um, so uh, yeah, they're really nice. And um, someone I knew um, introduced them to me like about five years ago, I think it was. Uh, was really completely mad about them, and then I thought, oh yeah, they're all right. Um, but yeah, I, I do start loving them a bit more every time I get another one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like when we've covered these before, some of them are do sting or, or are all the Bamerias not stinging? And it's the ones yeah. that look similar that stingers. Because I would be slightly concerned that I sort of accidentally buy one that was going to zap me. <laughs> no, no, they, Bomeria don't sting at all. It is... Um, uh, it is part of the nettle family, but it's, uh, well, and of course, you can see it in the flowers, you can see it in the leaves quite often as well, uh, but they don't sting. I did have something else, which was um, Girardinia, uh, uh, and they do sting, but they only they only last for about 20 minutes, so uh, it's not too bad. It's not like actually our native stinging nettle, which you can still feel the next day or the day after sometime. Uh, but no, these are really good, and I think they're really nice to combine with ferns. They love shade, um, so, uh, and they're completely hardy as well. It's a hardy perennial. Um, uh, so yeah, they, they love shade and um, yeah, things like ferns or with grasses, things like that, uh, just to get that contrast in as well, of course. Um, just a beautiful plant, love them. Yeah. They made me reconsider nettles. I stopped by a big patch of nettles walking the dog with the other half the other day and I said, just, just look, actually, if nettles weren't a rampant weed that stung us and hurt us, especially when we were children and we had bad associations, like they're quite nice. He wasn't convinced at all. But. <laughs> no, no, there are quite a few in the nettle family. Um, yeah, there are quite a few really nice ones. There's um, Oriochnite um, is another one, which I, uh, is a shrub, but that has got that same leaf as, uh, as a nettle. And uh, of course, that doesn't sting at all. So, uh, no, that's really good as well. 
there will be people who who get to this part of the podcast and think we're all completely mad but there we go yeah. you probably all are <laughs> well true yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have any bomerias alan at east ruston no but i have plenty of nettles <laughs> i had an altercation with one yesterday in actual fact and um it goes something like this <clears throat> Lovely, hot, sunny day, and I have tiered displays. You've seen them, my cacti and succulents outside. Um, and by July, they get weed seeds and that dreadful oxalis coming up in them. And I thought, well, today is the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muck them out, as it were, weed them and tidy them and repot as and when, if necessary. And there was a nettle growing in the bed next door, so I pulled the nettle out, and I got it. But I wasn't banking oh, no. the fact that it brought 15 cousins with it. And as I pulled it out of the bed, they whipped across my legs and I had tingling legs. I can't feel them today, Philip, so they couldn't have been that bad. But it, remi- it reminded me of what nettles can do, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Did you know you can get variegated ones as well, by the way? Just normal stinging nettles, variegated yellow-leaved ones. I mean, it makes it even more attractive. <laughs> Either that or they look as if they've been pl- sprayed with weed killer. <laughs> yeah, but they keep going, so uh, good weed killer. Well, not very good weed killer. Then. <laughs> now, this this plant over your shoulder that you mentioned, you've been trying in your little prop box. Um, what's that one again? Oh, so that is um, Smelanthus maculatus, and um, it's a huge plant. It's probably in a ten litre pot, so it's difficult. <laughs> I thought some greenery behind me, but I don't know if you can see that leaf. Yeah, it's beautiful. The size of my head, so rather large. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, it is—it's again a hardy plant, part of the daisy family. So it does get um, yellow daisy flowers as well. Um, but the, the nice thing about this maculatus is that it has these spots all across the stem, and so it's um, yeah, it's very difficult to show. But I don't know if you can see that. No, it just looks like black stem, doesn't it? <laughs> Trust me, it's beautiful. <laughs> There's um, Smilanthus sonchifolius as well, which hasn't got that. Uh, so it hasn't got the the, uh, the spots on the stem, but uh, maculatus, that's this one. And can grow up to easily two metres, uh, even two and a half. Um, and I've, I used um, one in my garden as well. And it just really fills this gap at the back of the border and uh, just yeah, fills it all out. So um, I love it. And it just dies down every year. So uh, you have a nice perennial in your garden. It grows huge and oh. these big leaves. So uh, it, it looks nice in any garden, of course, but with a jungle garden as well, that foliage, the stems and everything like that, that will just add to it. Uh, yeah, lovely thing. I've just managed to do two cuttings. So uh, it, it's really good. They're going to Lullingston. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in the hydropod, I've got more, Alan. I see you writing it down. <laughs> yeah, can you just say it again, Philip, please? It's Melanthus uh, maculatus, I mean, that has got one of those just fabulous big jungly leaves that I suppose everyone ends up associating with you, particularly because of your specialism in your book. Um, And they are they're just so luscious and lovely. I don't I haven't really managed to fit any of this into my garden, but the the Manahot Grahamii I have that I was so kindly gifted and um, that it's only a baby, but it's, it's just even its little corner where its little baby palm sort of hand leaves are. um, It, it just brings so much character to that corner of the garden. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> of course you have. I mean, yeah, just show it again. I'm absolutely transfixed by these leaves. Each sort of leaf has this fabulous shape. It, shape. It's like... Mm. Like a notch. Like a little notch in it, yeah. It's yeah. like some beautiful leg to an antique table that's been turned really intricately. It's, it's it so is, detailed. It. When they're this young, they don't really show the, the full potential. I suppose this top leaf, I don't know if you can see that. That's a look. That is probably, it's just starting to do it now, but it's almost like there's a separate, like little, um, well, almost like a triangle thing at the end of each leaf. Um, I've got one in uh, our glass house um, here at Warm Castle and uh, in, like the public one that uh, people walk through as well. Uh, and that was a cutting, no, sorry, it was seed sown. Uh, it was probably only probably about this size last year when I put it in. And that same year, the, the, the stem, well, it's probably about five centimetres across. Uh, so massive thing. And it actually grew out of the top of the glass house and Ooh. lots and lots of flowers and lots of seeds, uh, which this is one of. <laughs> so, uh, they take forever to germinate. Some of them will germinate within like six weeks or so. But um, I've had some which I sown, sowed in um, January 2021. And they're still coming up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I brought mine into my downstairs toilet last winter. That's what you do when you don't have proper facilities. Um, and it, it overwintered perfectly fine. Um, at what point do you think they are up for being left out in a Cambridgeshire garden? I think quite soon because um, what I found, if I grow, grew them in pots, the stem didn't really bulk up at all. So it was always this sort of pencil thickness and it just got longer and never really bulked up much. Um, and I planted one uh, out in the garden as well, and it is now bulking up a bit more. Um, see, the safe thing here is, of course, I've got the spare one in the glass house at work. Mm. So I can really understand if you've only got one, I can understand how careful you are. With it. <laughs> but, uh, they should be pretty hardy. And even if they do die down, they will probably shoot up from the days again. Yeah. Well, fingers no. crossed. It might have to stay in. If it gets any bigger, it might have to stay outside <laughs> next winter. We'll we'll see. But it's certainly a fabulous plant. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. You obviously know so many of these like fantastic jungle foliage plants now that it's hard for you to see something completely astonishing and surprising and new. Well, has there been anything in the past sort of few months that's really shone at you that you haven't got? Oh, haven't got. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just because you have, you know, you have your collections and you've been growing plants for such a long time and you know so many. I wonder how often you see something new that's like, oh, that would be perfect for a jungle garden. Yeah, well, it is a lot of those bromerias because, of course, I'm looking more into those now, uh, trying to get those in. And um, Grow Wild Nursery has been amazing with that as well. They're trying to set up uh, a national collection themselves as well of, uh, of a wider group of plants. Um, but um, yeah, so there are some in, I did an order with Plant Delights Nursery in March, I think it was, and um, I had a variegated bromeria in there as well. Um, and I just thought I need to have that. I think it was something called like solar flare or solar flame, something like that. Um, and, uh, but it arrived and unfortunately we got two and both of them died. So uh, that was a great chase. So that's probably the one that I think, yeah, next time I'm just going to probably pick it up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> yes. I just do it. But um, yeah, that, that was one, uh, definitely. Another one that I like um, is um, uh, Santadesia, uh, White Giant. And I've actually seen a few now. Um, I was given one, but it's a bit of a question. Is it White Giant or is it Hercules? Because I want that height, that, that massive plant in there. Um, I planted one out. It's not huge yet, but um, yeah, hopefully it's getting there. Uh, they're, yeah, they're sort of things that uh, I love. The other thing is space for me. I mean, um, here we've got the jungle mode. I can put loads of things in there, of course. Um, but at home uh, yesterday as well, someone offered me a climbing plant and I said, yeah, I really love it, but I just haven't got space for it. Um, I went to BBC Gardeners World Life in, um, in June, I think it was, yeah, in, in Birmingham. I did a few talks there as well. Uh, and I, I found this uh, variegated kiwi, not the, the normal, um, is it columnicta, something like that. Um, but this was one that had uh, like a lanceate leaf and half of the leaf, like a bottom half is pure white and the mm. top half is pure green. Uh, loved it, bought it because it was one, I need that plant, I really need it. And now it's on my patio and I'm thinking, what shall I do with it? Because I haven't really got anywhere to put it at all. So it might end up in a big pot and then just clipped into a cone or something like that. Actually, they do take up quite a bit of wall space because I've got that um, on the north foot wall of the wall garden outside my potting shed. And I think it's probably, well, four metres across. Yeah, I bet, yeah. yeah. And my garden isn't even that big, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I feel your pain. I um, succumbed to, well, I got caught out because, you know, you go to a nursery, you know what to expect, but there was a little festival in the village I live in and they had a plant stall and I walked past, obviously, poured over all the plants. And there was a, is it Sertomium? Clivacola, the, the sort of holly leaf fern, can't say it's oh, yes, holly, yes. but I, I bought it and I have no idea where I'm going to put it because I want to be able to see its span, its wingspan, you know, see those lovely fronds sort of stretching out without getting cramped, which everything in my garden gets cramped. So I'm with you, Philip, I'm feeling your pain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haven't yeah, got a four well. metre wide columnicta to find a home for, but still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned Gardeners World Live. I loved the lineup. It was like Monty Don and Adam Frost and all of these, you know, Gardener's World names and Philip Holstenbrink right yeah. there in the middle of them all. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny because it wasn't actually me. It was it should have said English Heritage because I was there representing the organisation with two other colleagues of mine from uh, Brodsworth. Um, so we were just looking at it thinking, well, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it wasn't great for my colleagues. But I did obviously take a picture and I think I'm going to print that and put it in my office somewhere. 
Well, you, we all know you're a star. That's why you're here <laughs> oh. on Talking Dirty. <laughs> now, where to next with your show and tell, Philip? Um, well, I was mentioning the, um, the order I did from Plant Delights, and one of the ones that I got is this, it is a Santadisha as well, and this one is called African Gold, and this is just the first one that's uh, really starting to show its colour. Um, but you can probably only see the big lines, but can you see just in the middle, there's yeah, another line that's there fantastic. as well. So eventually, that'll also widen up. So if the leaf is big, it will be completely yellow striped. Um, and I just love that. It was actually, I did the order. Um, uh, we sort of uh, ganked together to do the order because especially phyto and everything is quite expensive. So if you can combine postage and phyto, then it works out a bit better for everyone. Um, and Mike Clifford put it on his list um, to, uh, he said, oh, I want that one. And I, I just looked at Aspidistra on their website and I thought, yeah, I need one as well. Uh, then I showed my friend Bruce and he said, oh, I need one as well. <laughs> so uh, there's at least three of these in the country now. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Even yeah, surely people it. who aren't crazy about their irrigation can get crazy about that. I know. Sorry, I'm just going to grab it back again. <laughs> I know, it is, it's just so, and it's even, if it hasn't got any um, flowers on it, you still have that bright color in there. And um, I love it. It's just unbelievably beautiful and variegated. So it's everything I like. Yeah. <laughs> that is very flow-motastic, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plant delights will be the one who has it. So uh, postage might be a bit much. <laughs> yeah, it will be flow-mowing over it for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has actually got some offsets. And uh, I think that uh, Mike also uh, has some offsets on it. So uh, he's bulking it up a bit. So hopefully within the next five years, there might be a bit more, a few more around at least. So. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where to next then? Um, so uh, let's do this one first. So this is one which... Krug has uh, or had available again. I hope they still have. Um, it is another Brassiopsis. And I think I'm pretty sure last time did I show Brassiopsis mitis? I think I did. Must have mentioned it. It's the best foliage plant, really. The shape of that is just amazing. It's even better than a manihot. Um, and this one is Brassiopsis dumicola. And you can see how you've got the center of the leaf and then it sort of goes really thin with the long spoon-like shape of the, the rest of the leaf on there as well. So it's uh, related to Tetrapanax, it's um, Aurelia C, um, and Brassiopsis are actually um, as hardy as a Tetrapanax, at least, if not a bit hardier. Um, so uh, I can't wait to, uh, to see this. We've planted three in the mold here at work, uh, and um, obviously I ordered one for myself as well, because otherwise, yeah, the fear of missing out again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really lovely, and it's got beautiful spikes on the uh, the stems as well. So it's, it's quite um, spiky all around. And I've got the mitres at home, and I'm growing that in the pod because it is, as you say, yeah, sometimes you have one plant of something, you think, I really don't want to lose that. So I have been moving it um, in and out of the polytunnel at least. Uh, but the stem, oh, it's, it's huge now, and uh, the leaves are probably about 90 centimetres across. So hopefully with my NGS open garden, it won't have shriveled up in this heat and <laughs> it'll still be there. But uh, yeah, it does take a bit of water, but yeah, I love it. It's such a beautiful plant and yeah, generally Aurelia C um, I'm, I'm quite fond of as well. Yeah. And I don't have any tetrapanics, but obviously Alan, you know, you've got, you've got loads, uh, loads of T-Rex and you, they're very easy to propagate. You do kind of root cuttings and things and they sort of turn up all over the place, don't they? Well, they do. I mean, you know, I think the the roots of tetrapanax um, are rather like roses. If you if you if you nick them with a spade or a fork or a trowel or whatever, where where you where they're damaged, they tend to sort of put up some youngsters. So what we do is we whip the the roots out, um, and I I normally take a piece about six to eight inches long, curl it around the pot, stick some compost on, and just leave it. And you know, up they pop. I also took some um, some roots out of the uh, red or the old red and purple border because we didn't want them there. And I potted those up and I suppose we did it in probably March um, and it wasn't we didn't have ideal conditions. We didn't fuss over them at all. But 50 percent of those have all shot. Um, and, you know, the, it, if you if you take a stem and it's probably about 60 centimetres tall, um, you might not get any shoots and above 30 centimetres on that stem. So you cut the dead bit off the top and then you get a branched um, plant. Um, and it just works. It's, they are easy things. Once you've got them, 
um, you know, they, they tend to pop out all up all over the place. I noticed yeah. in our North Garden the other day, there's a one at ground level. And it's, you know, it's already sort of nearly, I suppose, 60, 80 centimetres across. You know, one palmate leaf one way, one the other, and then two more. And <laughs> take they are that. amazing. Yeah. Mm. I've got um, a couple of cultivars, a different cultivars than the T-Rex here as well. I've got... Um, steroidal giant but my favorite uh, at the moment is Daisu Shan uh, which was originally a, a Krug uh, uh, introduction um, supposedly hardier than a T-Rex but the leaf on it we planted it well it was probably this size like this Brassiopsis in spring um, it's now at least 60 70 centimeters tall and the biggest leaf so far is about a meter across Ooh, and it's wow. more upright so uh, instead of like the t-rex it sort of droops down a bit hangs the leaves hang down and this is more upright facing so i've got that right under the bridge um, as you walk into the garden here uh, across the moat and yeah. so you're yeah, looking at that from above uh, it's so beautiful and uh, it is as easy to grow but it's for That's some reason philip Yes. That's clever sighting to put that leaf where you're going to look down on it. I mean, most people well, in their gardens will have to look up at it or look on level, but yeah. to look down on it, that's very clever. Well, that is sort of the plan uh, in the entire mode because not everyone actually goes into the mode. But if you uh, approach the castle from uh, across the drive, you, you look down on the mode. And yeah. also, you have to go through the castle to go in the garden. Um, and so it's the first thing you see of the garden as well. And it was really not maintained a lot over the last 30 years, I think. It was massive fusion Magellanica in there. Look, yeah. It was a bit of a car park planting, I'm afraid. Sorry to my uh, predecessors. <laughs> so that was all taken out uh, by the team as well. And um, yeah, that is the idea to look at it from above as well. And so for people who don't want to go down, because yeah, you have to go down a ramp, so not everyone might be able to, but you can still see all that foliage and all the patterns down there as well uh, which is you unique just, you've just done the most <laughs> lovely plug for the moat as well because i think i think that i mean what you've just said is the aim that i have in the garden here and that is to get rid of anything that looks like a car park plant um, yeah. and replace it with something that's interesting new and vibrant and you know yeah. that will educate people i think yeah, and I, I'm really lucky that I can do that because, of yeah. course, a lot of English heritage properties, they have to stick to certain planting because they are representing a certain era. But because we've had the, the changes of Lord Wardens here quite often, mm. the, the garden was changed or maybe not so much the layout, but the planting in there was changed quite a lot. So I'm not really, um, I don't really have to stick to certain rules where I have to use a certain planting from, say, uh, like the 1860s and mm. Robsworth, I think it's everything before 1860 they can use, but after they can't. Uh, and I haven't got that here. So as long as I stick to trees and shrubs in the mode, because that is the original planting, then I can plant whatever. So tetrapanics, brassiopsis. One thing to say, they are very lucky to have you. I'm very lucky to be here. <laughs> I don't think there are many gardens where you could do that. <laughs> Certainly not historic ones. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's luck. For me as well, definitely, mm. yeah, love it. Uh, going back to your Brassiopsis, I don't suppose they're as easy to propagate as their cousins, <laughs> the well, um, I think uh, Mike grows them from seed quite a bit because I'm sure I, he gave me one the other day. Um, but uh, the other thing, uh, I'm sure last time I showed you uh, the Trevisia palmata, yeah. and it is related to that because um, some Brassiopsis have gone into Trevisia, or it might have been the other way around. Um, and that Trevisia, I just propagated by stem cutting. So I had to cut it in half because I basically killed it. <laughs> so the top bit was still alive. The roots were all rotten um, and just stuck those in the ground. And they were, well, thicker than a pencil thickness. And they both, um, both rooted quite well. So it is, however, if you look at this, you think it's such a special plant. Would I really want to risk cutting that in half? You know, it is that whole many hop thing again. You've got yeah. one. Do you want to risk it? <laughs> now, where to next? How much of your show and tell have we got left? Um, well, there is one with a flower. I thought I will put a flower in there as well. So I'm just going to make some space. <laughs> and this was a plant. This is hibiscus. I need to go back a bit. Yeah, there we are. Oh. Look at that. Hibiscus cameronii. And um, the flower is amazing. Uh, it is pink on the outside or the end of the petal. And then towards the center, it goes uh, more yellow. And then with the dark red heart is uh, uh, in there as well. The leaf is really beautiful as well. Um, so it's, it's almost a bit, um, oh, slightly manny hotty like. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, -like. <laughs> uh, 
A wonderful plant. So it's quite heavy. I'm just going to do that. Um, it, uh, it was one that was given to me by uh, someone who works at Birmingham Botanical. And the story behind it is as well that um, uh, it was named after the person who actually started Botanical uh, Gardens in Birmingham. Uh, and I'm pretty sure his last name was Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, that, yeah, that is the nice thing about it. And um, I believe the head gardener told me that uh, at one point nobody had it anymore. And it's almost like every plant you see in the UK originated from the botanical garden in Birmingham because they still had a plant there. And uh, yeah, all the time you see them. Um, I've actually grown this from seed as well. Uh, it had some uh, seeds last year. Some of them went into the Plant Heritage Plant Exchange. So there might be a few more around now. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I put some in a pot as well, and uh, they've started shooting up now, which uh, which is really nice. And, um, it's not hardy, uh, but it's certainly worth growing. And if you want it outside on a sunny patio, I think it'll love it. And then, uh, well, if you've got a slightly larger downstairs toilet, maybe to add this humani <laughs> hot, then uh, you should be all right. <laughs> Next house, I'll make sure I look out for a bigger downstairs toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if only I had a sunny patio, that is a beautiful hibiscus. Oh, yeah, exactly. It is really, really nice. Uh, we're growing it here at work uh, and I'm trying to bulk it up a bit as well because uh, I just I don't want to lose it, of course. But uh, sometimes when it's in flower, it goes in the glass house. But normally it is just uh, in my polytunnel. Tends to be me enjoying it because it is my plant. <laughs> I love the organisation that's gone into this podcast. That we have a selection of plants from Walmer and a selection of plants that you've brought in from your polytunnels uh, at home. That's commitment yeah. commitment <laughs> well, <show> well, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i drove down from Wrexham yesterday and I, I just grabbed some bits out of my poly tunnel. i thought i'm sure i've got some more bits at work <laughs> <laughs> so what else have we got from your poly tunnel um or have we exhausted it i've got one more actually which was in the poly tunnel doesn't have to be but it's only because um i haven't planted it out yet um but that is this and that is Persicaria brush, brush strokes. And I just love the pattern on that. Um, there are quite a few um, wonderful persicarias. Um, I love them generally. And they're, of course, really easy to propagate as well. You can uh, just grow them from cuttings. Uh, this was the main plant that I was given, but I have already uh, done loads of cuttings of this one, uh, which are going down in the mold again. So, um, yeah, it works both ways. <laughs> they get quite a lot of plants out of it. And sometimes I get a cutting as well. <laughs> It's a fantastic leaf. I mean, we're so used to persicarias with lovely leaves. I don't think I actually know that one. It's really fresh and zingy. Yeah, it is. And um, the the pattern on the leaf is it's quite broken up. So it's quite often you see it as a, a V, but you can see it's all, almost individual dots all across the the leaf there as well. And isn't there one called? I'm probably getting the rank wrong. It's Lieutenant, or is it? Lance Corporal, I think it's Lance Corporal. And so that has got the uh, the V of what they would have on their insignia. Um, so it is a lot like this, but it is not broken up that one, but um, they, they are beautiful. And yeah, something like this gives that uh, that impact as well. And I, I do find with, um, especially with my smaller garden, um, originally, because I'm a plant collector, I would stick everything in there. And that's why my style was so good, the jungle garden, because yeah, you just cram everything in and you've got the jungle garden effect, but uh, it did look very messy. So plants like this, like this persicaria, and at home I've got Compton's Red, which is beautiful as well. Um, to have those in bulk, they sort of calm it down a bit. Um, so it doesn't look as messy, messy. You can have some repetition with that as well. Um, and it, of course, helps that I've got the polytunnel outside the village because I can now just put everything that I need and want and everything in there under automatic watering and um, yeah, just, uh, just grow it in there and just have my garden as a slightly more calm jungle. <laughs> it is always the challenge with a small garden, messiness and sort of chaos. That's generally what I'm dealing with is absolute chaos. So, Well, yeah, and I found it when I wrote the book as well. I looked at all these other gardens that Sarah Castle had photographed for us and um, it just, yeah, I just preferred them to my own garden. So it's almost like if I look in the book, I've since changed the garden because I wrote the book basically and I saw how other people did it. And yeah, to get that more, the calmness in there, not so messy, because if you have all these different things in there all the time, then of course, uh, yeah, it's just going to look a bit more chaotic. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that as well. I also need to change my garden, but I need to find a polytunnel first. <laughs> I know, I am very lucky, yeah. What a wonderful selection of show and tell from both Walmer and your polytunnel at home. 
a little bit of, of professional Philip, a bit of home Philip. Wonderful. So yeah, it sort of merges into each other there. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your National Garden Scheme opening and when is it and what time it is and all the rest of it. Uh, it's on uh, Saturday, August the 6th, and um, uh, it's three uh, pounds to enter, which of course all goes to, uh, uh, well, it goes to NGS, but also Plant Heritage gets 10% as a dedicated charity. Um, and the NGS, well, if you want to know which charities they support, it, the, it's a huge list. It's on their website, of course. Uh, it's from uh, one till five in the afternoon. Uh, and I am in Ash uh, near Sandwich. Uh, the property is called 12 Woods Lee with L-E-Y at the end. And um, yeah, plants will be for sale. So uh, there will actually, this art, this particular one, will be for sale. <laughs> Some lucky person's going to get their mitts on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, last year I had people come down from London to buy the manioc, actually. So yeah, they arrived 10 minutes early strategically. <laughs> this is like our friend Richard Hobbs, where people are loitering at the gate before his garden opens because they go straight to the plant store. They don't yeah. even glance at the garden. They're on a mission. No, that was it, yeah. Straight through the garden because you have to go through my house um in my living room i'll actually have um uh, the national collection of my aspidistas uh, on display as well because uh, generally i have got some hackner flowers obviously in my garden but uh, uh, the collection is uh, held uh, outside of my garden but uh, yeah that's in there but a lot of people just walked through straight through the garden up to the back where the plants are and then go and have a look at the garden <laughs> Well, fingers crossed, between now and then, there's a bit of rain to help you out and a little bit less heat, but I'm sure it's going to look absolutely wonderful. Even if I, I get the feeling from everybody that National Garden Scheme openings are wonderful, but quite stressful in the, in the lead up, at least. It, yeah, it's the morning, usually. That's the problem. You have to put the signs out and everything. And uh, yeah, that's when you think, oh, I should have really done a bit more last week. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> well, before we let you go to you know continue preparing for your NGS opening and get back to work at Walmart, we must do FLOMO. FLOMO, of course, being that feeling that I'm sure you're familiar with, a fear of missing out you get about a flower or a plant. We're all having lots of it from all your wonderful plants. And my goodness, you give it with all of your variegated aspidistras and convalarias and everything. Um, on a slightly sort of jungly theme, a little bit sort of tropical looking, I have yet another Flomo from the wonderful Brian Ellis, who we featured on our Galanthophile special kind of a couple of years back. People who aren't following Galanthoholic on Instagram must, because it's not just snowdrops. All year round, the most amazing plants from his Benton and irises to well, everything. And he posted this Lobelia laxiflora var angustifolia the other day with these wonderful red and yellow tubular flowers that looked almost like they were shouting, like a little shouty plant. And I, I love tubular flowers and it was right up my street. So I commented saying, oh, that's wonderful. And Brian said, it's a little too uncontrolled for your plot, thought he. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a flomo for a further garden in the future that's a lot bigger than my current one. But what a wonderful plant. And I think I saw it at East Ruston, Allen. You did indeed, yes. Yeah, we've got it in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems fab. I, I don't, I've, I've been kind of going around, I saw it at East Ruston and I took photos of it and I didn't actually know what it was at that point. Um, so, I mean, it, yes, exuberant, enthusiastic, but also fab. Where are you at with your flow, Mo Philip? Uh, well, there is the one that is a recurring one and uh, I don't think I'll ever get it, but there is um, the variegated uh, Trachycarpus fatunii that is so high on my wish list. Uh, and bloody Matthew Pottage got it. Yes. <laughs> he beat me to it. <laughs> so there's a beautiful one uh, at Wisley in their uh, tropical garden um, right at the end. And um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I, uh, he did actually tell me where he got it from. And I emailed the nursery and they say, oh, yeah, we hardly ever see them. And oh, they're very expensive. I thought, well, I've just spent £500 on that. Ficus, really. So, how expensive can it be? <laughs> Maybe you don't want to know. No, 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 I haven't asked actually, but uh, I'm not asked. But uh, yeah, that is one. Um, I'd love to get one of those. They're just so amazing and you hardly ever see them. And yeah, the one at Wisley is the only one I know of. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand that. I've seen photos from Mr. Pottage and it's very eye-catching indeed. So I think we probably yeah. all would like that, though not necessarily quite as much as you would like it. Uh, where's your flomo at, Mr. Gray? Well, can I have one of everything we've talked about? 
They're all rather up your street. But the one that stood out for me was Zantadisha African Gold. I thought that was lovely. Um, and I, I'm going to try and do that. I actually, well, I've, I've always, often worried, Philip, about buying from Plant, Plant Delights Nursery, but you obviously can do it relatively easily. Um, yes, sort of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, I mean, on their end, they do an amazing job. It's, it's nothing. The problem isn't with them. It's just getting them here and then actually getting them through customs uh, in the UK is uh, a big problem. And now, of course, you have to uh, be peat registered as well. Uh, which I had to do within like 48 hours or so because yeah. uh, I didn't know you had to. Um, but uh, the way Plant Delights packages everything and sends it off, it, it is amazing. And um, yeah, as I said, it's the problem is of getting them over. It isn't with them. It is just um, here in the UK where um, things are just left, even though it says plants on there, they just don't seem to be in any rush to do anything with it. No. Uh, and uh, and that's been a that's lot a of people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's got all the certificates, all the yeah. phyto and everything in there. Um, yeah. So it shouldn't take that long, really. <laughs> no, exactly. Zantadisha African Bold is going to be my 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 flomo, but I mean, I just this white giant sounds good too. I've got Hercules, and I mean, I don't know how. You, I mean, white giant presumably is bigger than Hercules, is it? Um, well, there is a bit of a debate which one's which, but um, it's Hercules. Is that has that got green leaves? Yes. Yeah. So um, White Giant has got spotted leaves. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it's just tall with still quite small flowers, sort of the same size flowers, but just everything is just taller. Yeah. On it yeah. It's really lovely. But um, if you have a bit of your Hercules, I'll swap it for a White Giant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of deal we like on Talking About <laughs> A deal. A deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan's always happy when he can do a plant exchange with the guest. Um, Philip, thank you so much for coming along. I wish you all the best with oh, your National you. Garden Scheme opening. And um, please come back again and wow us with all your wonderful plants. I'll start making a list again. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me. Until Thanks. next time, everybody. Happy gardening. Happy gardening. Hey. Bye, Philip. Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.